A great budget dance got underway yesterday with release of the administration's budget proposal for 2020. Release means it gets sent over to Congress like a fetal pig heading for dissection. With more of what to expect, the firewall editor-in-chief, David Hawkins. And this is only really the beginning, isn't it, uh, rather than the end of anything when these budgets do get published. It's the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end. It's the, your your allusion to the pig is good because I think, you know, most president's budgets are labeled dead on arrival by their political opponents. And this one is seems destined to be uh, dead on arrival in at least half of Congress. This is the first budget that the president has submitted to a divided Congress, obviously. And the Democrats now in charge in the House are likely to pretty collectively turn up their nose to many of the president's priorities, domestic and uh, military, whereas some Republicans in the the Senate Republican majority presumably will be more receptive. Um, But then there's sort of a third important party, which has been important in the past, which are the the more fiscally conservative Republicans who are making um, significant uh, raised eyebrows and significant agitation that for all of the other reasons why they like President Trump, they think that he has allowed too much spending uh, as president, and they think it is time to pare back the rate of growth, which has been double digits since he's been in office in in what they call discretionary spending, the amount of the spending that trillion two or so in spending that Congress actually gets to control every year. It's gone up by you know more than, uh, I think by some estimates, depending on how you count it, in, in some departments, more than 20% while he's been president. But it seems that in recent years, the quibbling has been more and more at the margins over spending that might represent philosophical differences like Planned Parenthood or the border wall, things that one side or the other holds sacrosanct, if you will, as opposed to, you know, what should really be the priorities of the federal government? I think you're right. I think that that there's sort of good news and bad news on that front. The good news is that one way of looking at, at that is that the appropriators, the, the people in Congress who run the appropriations committees, the committees that actually turn the president's budget into law by deciding how much money is going to get spent on each program, you know, they are less politicized generally, both on the right and the left than their leadership. And a lot of things just sort of get done by the, these professional lawmakers who do take seriously the role of deciding, you know, winners and losers in the budget, but not nearly so much of that gets talked about as the kind of things you describe, the sort of politically ripe and potent topics like Planned Parenthood and, of course, the president's wall. So while those discussions are getting you know, most of the oxygen and most of the headlines behind the scenes, Republicans and Democrats and the administration do get together on the vast majority of appropriations decisions. Not everybody's a winner. There are some losers, but there's a seriousness of purpose among the appropriators that I think is often overlooked. And in your observations, do the oversight committees and the committees, not so much the appropriators, but those concerned with the agencies under their committee's jurisdiction, how well-versed right. are these members in the day-to-day innards of the agencies? Because at one time, there were members that knew intimately the programs and even the people running the programs deep within the agencies. Yeah, well, that is, you know, that is true. A couple of ways to answer that. One is that the, the new majority Democrats are the new majority because they have whatever it is, 80 new members. Um, and those those folks are just getting up to speed. Um, I don't think any of them are on the appropriations committee, however, but they are on the authorizing committees, the 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 policy committees. I mean, to to not nerd out too much, but in theory, every federal program is supposed to be authorized, uh, and then after it's authorized, then it gets appropriations. Now, a lot of that authorizing doesn't happen 
but that's what the sort of the committees, the, the committees that aren't the appropriations committees are supposed to be authorizing the programs under their jurisdiction. Another thing that's happening is that part of the challenge for Congress uh, in recent decades is that there has been something of a brain drain. Congress has, has uh, held back its own spending for political reasons. Uh, spending on staff salaries has been frozen over time. The number of staff positions has been allowed to wither. So there are a, there are a lot fewer people who know, who have sort of historical memory and detailed memory on the staffs, uh, the actual professional staffs of these committees who know how the programs operate and who can explain it to the members than, than there once were. So this is, this is a challenge. Um, the average tenure of a congressional staffer is, is way down in the last decade. Um, so people stick around for one or maybe two budget cycles and then they move on. So there's not a lot of sort of collective wisdom on the Hill about how the how these programs run. Um, an exception to that, I think, is the appropriation staff. Some, some of them stay for a very long time and they really do burrow in and they become more expert than probably the vast majority of the members on how the programs that they're supposed to be paying attention to actually work. We're speaking with David Hawkins, editor-in-chief of The Firewall, and what will be the lead time or the lag time between the dropping of this thudding budget and when they start taking it up at the committees and at the appropriators' levels? It should be relatively quick. In theory, Congress is supposed to react to the dropping. The, the president's budget is late. The president's budget was supposed to have been dropped a month ago, uh, actually, but um, more than a month ago, actually, but because of the government shutdown and so on, it's been late. So the whole process is getting a late start. What's theoretically supposed to happen is that the first thing Congress does after receiving the president's budget is they draft a budget of their own in response. Um, there are triggers in there that say if they if they uh, they're not supposed to start actually having the, the markups, the committee considerations of these spending bills until that's done or until the middle of May, whichever comes, whichever comes first. The odds that they'll actually get a budget resolution this year with a Republican Senate and a Democratic House, uh, I think are a little bit slim. What's likelier to happen is that they will at least agree on how much they should, what the sort of top line is for domestic spending and non-domestic spending, military and national security and foreign policy spending. Uh, and then they will probably get these appropriations bills uh, working in, in late spring. The government shutdown aside, the record long government shutdown aside, it is also the case that actually the, uh, this, this system worked better in the last year than it has in a long, long time. They actually did get seven different appropriations bills done. So that means all of the decisions, not only the politically pungent ones that we mentioned a few minutes ago, but sort of all the, all the dull but important ones or, or non-politicized but important ones got done on seven of the bills. The majority of the government is operating sort of under normal procedures uh, during the fiscal year that ends this coming September. That's in part because it was an all Republican government. Now, will that be able to be replicated now that we've returned to divided government? I think that's a much longer shot. And will they have to take a vote on the budget control limits? Yes, they will. Good for you. Yes, that's a vote with that. Yes, that will be an opportunity for the Republican fiscal conservative to say, yes, remember, we're still under budget control limits. Um, and how much traction they will get, they will get for sort of pointing out that technically Congress is supposed to be paring back spending pretty significantly. I think they will get some headlines. They'll be able to make some of a, some fuss, but I don't think they'll win the day. And I think in the end, it sounds a little bit cynical, but the grease for getting Congress to operate is money. 
Um, when they can agree to spend a little bit more money, things will work much more smoothly. Um, so I'm guessing that the Budget Control Act stuff will be relatively quickly set aside in favor of some modest increases for most programs. David Honkings is editor-in-chief of The Firewall. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear The Federal Drive on demand and on your device at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.